Welcome to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Each week on this program, Jeff and his guests share their expertise, personal anecdotes, and the latest industry news to keep you in the loop. Now to provide you with insight and help you navigate the consistently changing world of real estate lending, here is your host for The Mortgage Voice, Jeff Barton. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in this week, listening to us, listening to the information that we're going to give you about what's happening in the mortgage world, what's happening in the economy to affect the mortgage rates, and how you might be able to take advantage of all that stuff. Got a couple of great guests coming on to talk about uh, one in the Tahoe real estate and San Francisco real estate and mortgage markets. And Nina Penny is going to come on and talk about some reverse mortgages. Uh, that particular market has really gotten busy. Uh, why is that? Because a lot of people have retired during COVID. You may or may not have heard about it. I'm sure unless you're in a rabbit hole somewhere, you have heard that many, many people have quit and does, don't want to work anymore. And a lot of people who are older have retired or retired early. So in order to maintain a lifestyle or to be able to tap into the equity, obviously, that's been building in your house, uh, reverse mortgages are a great way to go. And so she's going to come on and talk about what that is, how to take advantage of it, and some of the opportunities to work uh, through whatever you need in terms of hard cash. You can put it in the bank. You can obviously do many other things, um, you know, give it away, keep it, buy a different property, have uh, more of a, I guess, investment property going on. Again, Nina will talk to us about that in the 3.30 slot all right, let's talk a little bit news to use and news to use section. This week is brought to you by nobody, but uh, we are selling that slot. So if you've got some inclining to get on the radio yourself, maybe sell some products and services that are ancillary to what we've got going on, that's great. Now, the Mortgage Voice with me, available on demand and on the air. Anytime you need to find the latest mortgage information, you can find us immediately on the YouTube. We load up the video version of the show every week. Just search for me, Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice, and you can listen to the show on demand with your mobile devices via any of our podcast partners, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, IO, Clips, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Hey, we're also available on traditional radio. Yes, that's why it's a radio show. You know, we're on five stations, three different states, uh, and we're expanding that. We love to talk to people back and forth. Email me. My Twitter handle is at Jeff6493. Yeah, love to hear from you, and thanks for tuning in. Okay, the news to use section. Let's talk rates and, and what they are and what it means to you uh, as rates continue to rise, albeit slowly, but they are rising. 30-year fixed rate loan today, 3.25%. 2.59 for the 15-year, 2.91 for FHA. That FHA number keeps going up, right? If you add in the uh, mortgage insurance premium, uh, and the monthly, that, that particular number is going to be about 3.25 as well. 3.15 for the jumbo. The jumbo has remained steady, really, between 3.09 to 3.17, this jumbo. And the reason is, is because it's not really beholden to Fannie and Freddie. It's not really dependent on the bond market. It's got its own thing because nobody buys that stuff except private label or people that portfolio their own loans. So that 3.15 number is the number of risk for a lot of loans out there. It's also, depending, if you have a, a, a jumbo need and you don't want to 
for instance, show all of your documentation because you own your own business, you're doing some tax write-offs. There are these business bank statement loans that we talk about a lot on the show in the non-QM sector. But on the jumbo side, you know, these rates are going to be much higher than 3.15. This is for your pretty much uh, a paper person with uh, good money down if it's a purchase or a good amount of equity into the property and sufficient documentation to be able to get that kind of jumbo rate of 3.15. And on the uh, 5-1 arm is 3.55. Now, when was the last time you heard a rate at 3.5%? That's amazing, right? Now, we're dealing with a short-term product, 5-1 uh, arm. That's a adjustable rate mortgage. After five-year fixed rate, it goes up. Most people do those types of loans for the lower interest rates, especially in the first few years of the loan, and then they refi it out into something more permanent. Well, as you can see, based on all the numbers I've just given you, this short-term ARM product, 5-1 ARM, is actually the most expensive when it comes to rate. That is not normal. We usually see the spread uh, the other way around, where the 30-year will be higher than the 5-1 ARM, or you know something in the FHA range for the 5-1 ARM but not at all. And it's interesting when you think about it, why it would do that. Why is the adjustable rate mortgage going up and down? It means that the volatility in that particular product is, hmm, is much greater than the volatility in the 30-year. The 30-year by Fannie and Freddie, the 5-1 is still a hybrid product that's purchased on the secondary market by you know, other people, not, not Fannie and Freddie or Ginny. So when that happens, You've got to pay attention, and you've got to pay attention to what your best options are when you look for a mortgage, either on a purchase or a refi. The 10-year yield is at 1.50, and that 10-year yield for the past, I would say, four to five weeks has been hovering between uh, 1.4 to 1.7, and that range, uh, and we've seen it creeping up, obviously, if you go back a year, a year ago, we were talking in ranges of, you know, 0.5 to 0.7 that's a half a percent of like three quarters of a percent now we're almost double that a year later um yeah that 10 years is going to continue to creep up and the reason there's a lot of reasons for that right now we've told you that the taper is happening and what is the taper obviously we're stopping we're seeing the fed stopping their purchase of mortgage-backed securities and we're seeing them stop the um, purchase of treasuries right they're trimming it down uh, $10 billion less of one, $5 billion less of another. Well, uh, the Fed has said that they're going to increase that tapering so that the taper ends completely probably around March rather than in June. Uh, what does that mean to the markets? It tells the markets that the stimulus from the Fed is going to end, obviously. And the next uh, great thing that happens after that is we see um, – the short-term lending by the Fed to member banks or the discount window to also begin to rise. Now, I think that that's going to happen in January, January or February. So this double whammy uh, ending of the stimulus and the rising of the rates, short-term window or to member banks, is going to hopefully curb inflation. Now, many of you, out, of you out there don't know who Alan Greenspan is. Many, I guess I, I didn't even know why I said that. But probably you do. They, well, Fed chairman back in the 70s, right? He was the really the kingpin when they tried to make inflation go away. And it was the mantra of the Fed, no more inflation, no more inflation. Yeah, that was Alan Greenspan. And what he did was raise rates. And raising rates killed demand. And the demand 
on the market is what's driving the price increases. So if you kill the demand, obviously the prices are going to stop going up. That's the thought anyway. However, reading an article today, interesting. You know, the news is full of some great stuff. When you when you get outside the scope of what you want to hear in the political realm or that football game that, you know, uh, they play each and every day, this one said that, this one said that, I believe in this. No, if you get down to what really what's going on economically in the world, because that's really the engine that fuels all this stuff, the rest is all piffle. So, Brazil. Brazil is hmm, probably uh, leading the world, we'll say, in inflation, right? They, their inflation is like at 11%, 11.5%. Now, what Brazil has been doing is raising rates and raising their um, discount window rates as well as member rates to their member banks. Their particular uh, rate raise... This year alone, this year, right, we're still in COVID. The financial stimulus that's needed in order to keep the economy running. In Brazil, they raised the rate to five and a quarter percent. We're, our particular discount window rate is at zero to 0.25 percent. So they are so in the Alan Greenspan vein of stopping inflation by raising rates. Problem is it really hasn't stopped. We, we're still seeing... Inflation down um, in Brazil at 11%, and, and they're thinking it may continue to go up. Now, Brazil's a different economic model, and everything going on down there is completely different than what it is in the rest of the world, but it does show you, and that's the fear of it here in the U.S. Raising rates alone does not kill inflation. It did in the 70s, but we're nothing like the 70s. Anyway, I'm Jeff Barton. Really appreciate you tuning in uh, now, this week, each week, every week, to see what we're doing and how we're doing it. And uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in to the show. Our show is available wherever you need it, wherever you need, whenever you need information, and you need it right away to fit your busy schedule. Hey, we make it easy. You can watch or listen to the show, find our episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. That's right, mortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice, and our Mortgage Minutes and weekly programming is also available on YouTube. Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice. You go there, you can see hundreds of shows, as well as our daily LinkedIn, as well as our Facebook and other social media um, broadcasts that we do. We're in podcast form here, wherever you go. Podcasts include Apple, Google, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podclips, I.O., and Spotify, and more. So check us out at the website, mortgagevoice.com. And thanks again for tuning in to see the show. Okay, we, we were talking earlier about what's happening in other countries, about what they're doing about inflation and, and why that's important. Uh, i just run down a couple of things of <clears throat> how inflation affects <clears throat> daily lives. Um, I, again, I read a great article today about who's to blame. <clears throat> and, it, and it went through the political, both right and left. And, and it's funny, it was from a writer down in the Arizona Republic, which is a very uh, conservative um, publication, but he ran 
roughshod on, on both positions, whether it be the right or left position, and neither position is actually the truth of what's going on with inflation. Uh, we've talked about inflation on this show quite a bit, simply because if somebody's going to get a 3% raise but inflation is at 5%, guess what? You just lost 2%. So real people are, are affected greatly by what's happening when prices go up and they go up fast. Now, as I've tweeted out several times in the last week, you know, when I was younger, when Jimmy Carter was president, actually it happened when Nixon was president, and when they had the price and wage, wage and price freeze, uh, 18% was the inflation rate at the time, and I think I spoke earlier about Alan Greenspan coming out and raising rates in order to kill the demand in order to stop inflation. So that, in fact, <clears throat> is what it was then. What it is today is that we may see 6 7% this month. I don't know how much more it's going to go up. We are already seeing some signs that uh, the supply chain, what they call the supply chain, and I hate some of these economic terms, uh, terms, but it does make some sense, right? If you've got all these people dependent upon the next guy to give him stuff so he can make it and sell it to the next guy, yeah, that that's the chain, right? So all the all the ships that are out there in the harbor waiting to unload their particular goods so that we can sell them for the holidays or whatever it is people need. That's part of the su supply chain, i.e. the delivery of products. And this also affects, always affects, uh, the cost of goods. Obviously, sitting around not being able to be sold, uh, there's cost at shipping, there's cost at storage, there's cost because there's no shipping containers. All of these things, plus the price of goods and stuff, it goes up when, in fact, demand goes up. Now, we talked about why the demand go went up, especially during the holiday season. We can talk about it even more. People want to buy stuff. I mean, let's face it. There was a lot of money given up during the last year and a half by the feds, whether you were on enhanced unemployment insurance or that you were just getting a check every month. I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I have three different children of ages ranging from 22 to 27. They all receive checks. Now, luckily... Uh, we're in a financial position where we really didn't need the checks. So we didn't accept the checks, uh, but my kids did, and I assume many Americans. So that's millions and billions of dollars out there floating around, which is really push demand, right? If you're sitting at home and can't do anything else, you're going to be buying stuff. You're not going to be going out uh, on your dance lessons. You're not going to be going to the restaurant. You're not going to the movie theater. No, you're sitting at home and you're buying on Amazon. That's what most people have been doing. Uh, so... As a result of that, the demand is high, and therefore this bottleneck that has caused inflation prices to go up because you can't get goods to the market, that's an issue that is abating. I guess that's the, the long way of saying the, the problem is getting less. It's not going to end anytime soon, and we're probably looking at another six, seven months, especially through the winter season when we know most of the oil that is um, refined is refined for home heating oil for the you know half the country that's in sub sub uh, freezing weather. Uh, and I, uh, as a side note, I'm going to one of those places in the country this weekend. And yes, it is cold and um, I'm not prepared for it, but those people will be. So most of the gas that needs to be in the pump to give it to your car won't really be available until the summer. And that's when really we'll see a lot of this change in those inflationary numbers and that inflationary trend uh, will start to abate. But as it is right now today, people are paying, you know, in some parts of the country, five bucks a gallon of gas. That's a big deal. Now, what does all this mean to you when you're trying to buy a house? I had a friend of mine who was talking about trying to get out there, and I said, look, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Things in the mortgage market, when rates go down, it's because the actual yield in the treasuries um, go up. 
when the yield in the treasuries go up, um, what happens is the, the I'm sorry, I said that completely opposite. And why did I say that opposite? Because I was thinking about my vacation this weekend. What I really mean to say is when the yield goes up, the rates go up. When the yield goes down, the rates go down. What affects the yield, we've talked about it all show, we've talked about it ad infinitum for weeks. But what I think is going to happen is that both the Omicron, the situation in China, and inflation are going to affect maybe not the U.S. as hard as some other parts of the world, but in those parts of the world that it will affect, it's going to send people who are nervous about where to put their money to U.S. treasuries and U.S. mortgage-backed securities, which will, in fact, make the actual rates come down because the 10-year yield will come down. This is what I was telling a friend of mine yesterday on the phone, long-time uh, loan officer, Brent, he's been on the show before. Those are the things that will happen. And we are dealing with another volatile situation worldwide, which is this situation on the Ukrainian border between Russia and Ukraine all evolved around Russia not wanting to have U.S. nuclear missiles on Ukrainian soil, right? I mean, that's what it's about. Now, Putin is who he is, and I think he's been attacking the United States for a generation uh, cyberly. Regardless, how is it going to affect your mortgage? Because when things get nervous in that part of the world, it's going to make Europe nervous. So they're not going to want to invest in European companies or in Euro European bonds. They're more likely to invest in U.S. bonds, which will drive the interest rates down. Driving the interest rates down will make the mortgage market here in the U.S. extend their unbelievably long uh, low interest rates, which will rally the uh, mortgage market to have another banner year next year. This, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen probably sooner than later, especially when we see that... Uh, that particular situation is growing. The situation in China, which we, I've talked about before with Evergrande and uh, the 11 other companies who have missed bond payments this month. They missed their bond payments on the 3rd of November, 11. So we're talking billions and billions of dollars that aren't being paid. Now, what did China do about that? In order to, uh, I don't know, George Bushish highs this thing. Now, what I mean by that is that when, when the economy was doing poorly, they invaded Iraq and made mortgages cheap and bought all the mortgages that any, anybody could buy. This was all sub, uh, subprime mortgages back in 04, 05, and 06. You may remember the time. It was an obfuscation of what really was happening in the economy. I think that's also what's happening in uh, China. Uh, uh, the, what did the Chinese do? They lowered their interest rates and they'll be more accommodative, accommodative to uh, lending, i.e., their, their particular economy is growing at 4.5%, right? Well, it was growing for 10 years at over 10%. So this particular downturn, and they're looking at even 2.5% uh, for all of next year, is a big drag on their, old, on their entire economy, which means in order to take people's mind of what's happening on Evergrande and these 11 other companies, which are the builders, as everyone knows, real estate in China is what's driven that economy for the last 11, 12 years. It's 25% of the economy. So if that sector faults or defaults on the bonds that they use, especially in foreign countries, to borrow money in order to continue the building boom, well, that's a real problem, right? So what happens is Chinese government loosens credit, is able to get a loan much more easily. 
that obfuscates or takes the mind off these defaults. I think those defaults are going to hit hard. I think this Russia and uh, Ukrainian situation is, is difficult, and I think the flight to U.S. Treasuries is going to happen, and that's why I say we're probably going to see rates lowered next year, not rise, just like it has the last five years. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. That is my opinion, and uh, we'll be right back. Our show here, The Mortgage Voice, is available whenever you need information, even if you need it right away. To fit your busy schedule, of course, we make it easy to watch or listen to the show. Find our episodes on, episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice, and our Mortgage Minutes and Weekly Program also available on YouTube podcast form wherever you need it our podcasts including apple and google podcasts stitcher spreaker podclips.io spotify and more i'm jeff barton this is the mortgage voice thanks for tuning in welcome back everybody i'm jeff barton your voice in the mortgage industry thanks very much for tuning into the show for listening each and every week we're on youtube we're on five different radio stations 10 different podcasts we're all over the place if you want to um, hear me on a daily. Uh, we, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We do a bunch of Instagram shows. Uh, you know, they're about. It's called the Mortgage Minute. We do two, three minutes on what's happening that day. Also, my Twitter handle. If you want to hear or see rather what I'm doing, at Jeff six four nine three. That six four nine three number very important, but it's a secret. You can't know what it is. So if you have been listening to the show, you know that I'm a big fan of reverse mortgages. I know a lot of people aren't. They think it's a big scam. It isn't. If you are like me and I'm 66 years old, how long am I going to work before my particular income ends? And that is one of the reasons why I like the reverse mortgages, among others. But to talk about why that's a good thing and and the expert for me is Nina Penny. She works for Malibu Funding in Arizona but does reverse everywhere. Welcome her to the show. Nina, how are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for coming on. How are you? I'm doing very well. Nice and busy these days. Yeah, I bet you are. Tell us about it a little bit. Tell us about the business, about you know uh, the demand for the product, that sort of thing. Well, the demand for the product is increasingly growing. Right. You know, right now, um, people are calling a reverse mortgage an inflation fighter. Right. Good point. And uh, when people are thinking about going into retirement if, to stop working, you know, they say your first couple of years, you go-go years, and then slow-go, and then no-go. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people try and, you know, push out Social Security as long as they can um, to take out a reverse mortgage, maybe to offer their income so they can take out Social Security later. And use the reverse mortgage funds to bridge that gap. Because once you stop working, the only way you can increase the amount of money is really just by eliminating debt. And tapping into your retirement accounts can be very devastating if the market's not doing well during the first couple of years. So a reverse mortgage is a great fit for that. Oh, that's a good. That's a great. A great thought, too. I hadn't even considered that. Of course, if you have, like you said, your retirement account, your retirement money wrapped up in the stock market, and the stock market takes a dive, you certainly don't want to take your money out then. No. Right. So how are you going to live? The no financial, exactly. No financial advisor wants that call. You want money when the market's down. Right. 
Right. And the reverse can really help with that. Tell us how someone might qualify for reverse. Are there any new regulations coming down the pike? I, I kind of have a, a vague idea that there will be, but not quite yet. But give us an idea of how one might qualify. Well, you know, right now, reverse mortgages go down to the age of 55. Okay. So that's a great thing, right? Because now wow. even people, me and, and even a few years younger than me, can and have enough equity in their home, 50% or 60%, can take out a reverse mortgage. Also, the HECM, which is their FHA-based loan, our um, lending limit has gone up to 970-800, which really is a big game changer, especially there in California. Right, right. Yeah, I even, um, yeah. Another than, um, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's okay, and with the, you know, housing, housing is still doing great. You know, it's better if you don't need the money now, but just think in the, in the future, maybe you'll use the reverse mortgage, but, you know, now is the time because the housing you know, values are high, and we go by the, the values today. So we don't know what it will be in two years or three years. So taking out reverse mortgage now, letting your money sit there and grow with that line of credit, if you use the adjustable rate, can be very powerful. So, Nina, that's a very good point. Let's say, you know, the housing market is just ridiculous. There's no product, and all the, all the houses that are on uh, for sale gets sold very quickly and usually over asking. Let's say the market takes a 10, 15, 20% dip and now you find yourself upside down. How does that affect your reverse mortgage? Well, it doesn't. Once the deal is closed, it's done. I'll give you an example, Jeff. Let's say today you take out a reverse mortgage and I'm just going to use basic numbers for you. Okay. Let's say your house is worth a million dollars. Okay. And uh, you have no mortgage on it. You'll probably get about five hundred thousand okay. in the line of credit and, and a reverse mortgage. You don't really need the money, but you're just taking it now because the value is so great. Well, with the reverse mortgage line of credit, you're going to have what they call a growth rate, which means that your five hundred thousand dollars, that amount of money that you can tap into, is going to continuously grow. No matter what is happening in the housing market, once you close. That line of credit will continuously grow. If interest rates increase, so does your line of credit growth rate increase. So let's say you may start off five hundred thousand dollars now, but figure a one and a half to two two and a half percent growth rate on that money over three or four years is going to add up to a nice little chunk of change for you. And even if your house declines, and let's say in four years your house is only worth four hundred thousand. But you have five hundred thousand dollars in that line of credit. That five hundred thousand dollars remains open for you to use. They never cut it. That's the power of that of that product. That's a tremendous product. I mean. When I talk to people about it, they, they start bringing up stories about how somebody lost their house. I said, yeah, when was that? Oh, it was in 1978. I said, yeah, right. A different product, different era. A lot of protections for consumers out there. Um, I mean, you're the expert. Tell, tell us a little bit about how. Well, I, absolutely. But what happened was that everything that people are talking about is relatively true. But that was the reverse mortgage between the 1960s, right. mid-60s. Until Ronald, uh, President Ronald Reagan got into office. When Ray, Ronald Reagan got into office and became president, he sent this product to HUD. HUD made this reverse mortgage. So 
what happens is that the more, the lender is protected by mortgage insurance. Right. So the need to go after the heirs no longer applies. It's really just a loan that you're not obligated to make payments on. You can if you want. We're not obligated to do so. You just have to pay your taxes and insurance. And that's, if you want it, you can have that escrowed into your loan as well. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a great product. I like the product. And you said also, let, let me clarify, you now can get a reverse mortgage at age 55, not 62? Yes, 65. 55, right? Wow. Yes, 55, sorry. No, that's okay. What, and this was a, a change that came about when? This came about, well, there was one lender that did it, and then, um, you know, another one came through. So I would say uh, in September it started. Well, wow, that's a tremendous thing, and that's either either spouse if they're married. Yep. Wow, that that's great. That, so, it, for instance, for instance, I on my home, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I could take out a reverse mortgage now that I'm over fifty-five, but I'm not quite sixty-two. I took out a reverse mortgage. I'm sure my prime of working. I still got another ten or fifteen years, but my mortgage payment is just even seventeen hundred dollars. But if I took out the reverse mortgage, got rid of my mortgage payment, I could put that money away right. for retirement to help me really boost up my, you know, um, my my portfolio for when I do retire. Wow, that's just... It me an extra 10 years. I'm so happy I have you on the show just because there's good opportunity. This is a great time. Housing prices are high, and obviously the um, age eligibility has been lowered, which means a greater pool yes. of people can take advantage of it. Absolutely. Okay, we're, we've got a minute left. I want people to know how to get in touch with you, and um, if you could just do that, that'd be great. Sure. That's why way call me or text me at 480-635-2410, or you can email me at n. H-P-E-N-N-Y at Well, that's just great. Great information. You're an educator as well as somebody that can help out a lot of different people with the products you offer. Really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us uh, this is pretty exciting news. Thanks. I love being on your show. Thanks for having me on. Always, Nina. Thank you very much. That's Nina Penny from Malibu Funding. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. This is the Mortgage Voice, and we are available on demand and on the air. Anytime you need to find the latest mortgage information, you can find us immediately on YouTube. Hey, we upload the show every week, and every week you can go there and find it. We shoot it for video, and we have audio. Just search for the Mortgage Voice, and you can also listen to the show on demand on your mobile device via any of our podcast partners, Apple, Google, Spreaker, IO Clips, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Plus, we are still available on traditional radio. That's right. I love my some radio in a number of different markets, including those in the Inland Empire, California, Las Vegas, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Lake Tahoe. So tune in. And uh, again, I'm Jeff Barton. This is The Mortgage Voice, and thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for coming and listening to the show. Each and every week, we bring you information about what's happening in the mortgage market, in the real estate market, advantages and disadvantages that you can take uh, take away from the program uh, include like, uh, you know, when's a good time to do a refi? Is it now the time to sell? What's happening in terms of my employment or the employment in the area or what's happening in worldwide with the weather and other 
domestic and international events that affect mortgage rates. We cover it all. I know, it sounds like it's too much, but it isn't. I'm Jeff Barton. This is The Mortgage Voice. If you want to see me, go to YouTube. Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice. You can see the show. We've got hundreds of shows there. Also, we do it daily. We are on LinkedIn. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Facebook, and we're on Instagram. Yes, we do a Mortgage Minute, and that particular information that we give you is timely to that day. Also, if you want to tweet me, Jeff, at Jeff6493, that's my Twitter handle, and again, the uh, quotes and quips that I have there are short, brief, but they give you an idea, again, of what's happening in the mortgage market. Okay, enough of the commercial. Thank you very much for listening. And with us today from EXP Realty, Jill Denton from uh, up in the middle part of California, Tahoe to San Francisco. She brings with us inf information about what's happening in the mortgage and real estate markets. Jill, how are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. How about you? I'm doing well. I don't know why... Uh, I've got to travel east um, this weekend, and it is cold back there, and I am not used to it. <laughs> so other than that, I guess I'm fine. Oh, well, it's just nice to be traveling again, though, right? Yes, it is nice to be traveling, and that's an interesting uh, um, way to look at it. I know where you live in the area that you cover. You have to travel quite a bit, albeit it's probably in a car, but do you see a lot of movement from... I guess the the city out to Tahoe and, and in reverse or along that corridor that uh, defines the um, the area up there in terms of both real estate and mortgages. Absolutely. Right. Um, one thing that the pandemic has done is it let people know that they need more space. Right. Be that be inside or outside. So a lot of the people who were living in the, in San Francisco and the city have moved out to the burbs. Right. And the further you go, the more house, the more land you get. And that includes Tahoe. Tahoe's a vacation community. Right. And um, a huge percentage of people up there is the second home. And during the pandemic, they went up to work remotely. Let's work with a view of Lake Tahoe. Do you, do you see with... I can't blame them for that. No, exactly. I mean, if you can do that, that's great. Do you see any kind of resentment from locals? I know we talked about it previously, that the prices have gone up because of all this influx of new people. Absolutely, and that's hard because yep. the people who support the town, who provide a service at the restaurants and the ski resorts and the places to go hiking, they all have to live there. Right. But they're being priced out. Right. Um, in South Lake Tahoe, for example, they have passed a bill regarding short-term rental because people are coming in and buying properties and putting them on Airbnb, VRBO, places like that to rent them out for short-term. And people aren't crazy about what happens to the neighborhood. And then the locals can't afford to buy, and it's a vicious circle. How, how, yeah, that's a that's a very good uh, point you bring up, and I I don't know where I sit on it. I know that in Las Vegas they did that a few years ago. They just limited um, Airbnb and any kind of short-term rentals within I don't know a mile or two of the strip. Um, so certain other cities have done it too. I don't know. I guess building more housing is really the answer. I don't know if that's going to happen though. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen either. There's so much land that's set aside. To keep it as beautiful as it is, and to protect. You know, we just went through all the wildfires right. not that long ago, and 
and the fires, we could see them from our home. Yeah. Knock on wood, we were safe. Um, right. They saved South Lake Tahoe. The firefighters were absolutely incredible. But still, people lost their homes, and it changed things up there. But it's also brought people together. It's sad that a tragedy will do that, but it will. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the whole the whole real estate landscape, not only there, but all over, obviously, California, but the Southwest and the West in general has really, a lot of it is based on, you know, the conditions that you have to deal with out here, the high winds, the fires. Uh, occasionally, we get a, a year of floods. Um, but bringing people together, that's a good thing. I don't know if it, it's going to do that, but uh, in the future, what, what do you see is happening out in the uh, in San Francisco in terms of the prices and availability of property? Well, there's never ever been a market like this, I think, in the history of real estate. Wow. I've been in real estate for 15 years, and this has been the most insane 18 months. You know, inventory was low going into COVID. Right. Drives prices up. Low interest, low inventory, prices go up. And nobody knew what was going to happen when the pandemic hit. Well, right. it increased the real estate market, again, for people wanting more space. And I don't see that slowing down. Um, at least in the Bay Area, where we probably should be slowing down about this point, but with low interest, low inventory, it supports the pricing, and the pricing continues to rise. Do, do, you, so, th- do you think the, the, uh, what the Fed is doing or what they're trying to do to curb inflation is going to um, uh, have the, have the uh, interest rates rise enough so that it kills the demand for housing? I say no, but what do you say? I agree. I mean, I think they, they are going to raise them some, but... You know, my first home, my interest rate was over 10%. Right. So anything <laughs> below five is like free money. Yep. I agree. I agree. People get spoiled and they oh. forget. But uh, I agree. I, they and, do. Yep, they do. They do. Um, inventory. So eventually this will level off. It can't go on forever. <laughs> that's, but that's at what... this point, we don't see things going down. We may see things in a year or two just leveling off. Right. Uh, tell us about inventory in the different places uh, that you have your fingerprints on. Well, if anybody wants to sell their home, give me a call. <laughs> there's not enough. Yeah. There, there's, inventory is so low. I've been through a few markets where inventory is low, and this one, hands down, is the lowest. Yep. And yet at the same time, we all know people who are downsizing or moving out of the area, especially in California. That's happening a lot. It's still not enough to cover the demand of all the people who are coming here for the jobs, for the weather, all those kind of things. Yeah, it's interesting how California, the demographic here changes. Uh, Now, we had a net loss over the last 10 years of about a million people, yet it seems to me that there's still a lack of housing, a lack of uh, affordable rentals, uh, all the stuff that drives real estate prices up, up, and up. It's very true. Uh, The Bay Area has been quite the transformation over the last few years with multi-use in areas up and down the peninsula, Palo Alto, part of Silicon Valley, San Mateo. Uh, there used to be, there's a street called El Camino. And uh-huh. El Camino used to have tons of car dealers and businesses. 
Well, those are all gone, and now they're multi-use with businesses on the bottom and three, four, five, six stories of condos above. How does that work well, that out? That's a lot more housing. Right, right. I mean, I like that. That's it very much... a lot more traffic and a lot right. more water oh, that's... and a lot more everything. Okay. No, I see the drawbacks. Right. I was just hearkening back to a day when I lived in Boston and in New York City where they had those brownstones and also, you know, businesses were on the bottom floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great idea. It's like city living in the burbs. Right. But right. the infrastructure of some of these older towns with smaller streets, adding thousands of condominiums has an impact yes it does yes it does hey jill i'm up and against they're, and it and they're not cheap too <laughs> i know they're not cheap absolutely listen i'm up against it can you tell people how to get in touch with you if they need a terrific realtor up in that area bay area or up in tahoe absolutely i'll give you my phone number my everything number goes everywhere with me great which is nine two five Nine nine eight seven seven four seven, and my website's my name jilldenton.com. That's D with a D. Uh, D is in dog. D E N T O N. D. That is absolutely correct. Excellent, Jill. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's, it's, it's great information and a great perspective too for someone who's been in the business business a long time. Thank you. Wonderful talking to you. Happy holidays and uh, next year. Yes, next year, absolutely. Uh, and we'll see you later. That's Jill Denton from EXP Realty. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning in and listening to the show. Each and every week we come on and we deliver you uh, information that we hope is useful. Um, check out our website at themortgagevoice.com. There you can find our latest on-demand episodes of The Mortgage Voice and information about our guests as well as their contact information. So if you see somebody or hear somebody you like, go to the uh, website, mortgagevoice.com. You can also read my blog, which keeps you updated with the very latest mortgage news. Check it out. And bookmark us. That's themortgagevoice.com. And again, I'm Jeff Barton. Thanks again for listening to the show. Okay, we, we talked about global issues and what's happening and why that affects your mortgage interest rate here. Obviously, lower mortgage interest rates are great if you have something to buy or if you want to do a cash-out refi. Cash-out refis are great for many, many people. I talked a little bit earlier uh, and um, about why it's a good idea to take advantage of taking money out of your house and saving it for any day or investing it. Uh, one of the ways to do it is, of course, the, more, the reverse mortgage. But there are other ways to do it. You can do a complete refi or you can do a second mortgage. A couple of com companies that we work f uh, with, uh, Spring EQ and I can't remember the other one, they do seconds all day long. So if you have a like a 2.5%, 3% first mortgage and you don't want to, you know, change that into a higher mortgage you can just get a second mortgage for you know 100,000 especially if you have that kind of equity in it and i think these second mortgages go up to 90 95% so that's that's a pretty good deal and you have you'll have two two mortgages yes and they'll give you what they call a blended rate when you blend the first rate and the second rate but the majority of your loan will still be on that low 
interest rate, and I think that is a terrific idea. Uh, another loan product I'd like to talk about just a little bit is that 15-year. I know I hit upon it on a lot of shows. The 15-year product, what is the advantage, what is the disadvantage? The last 10, 12 years, I had a, mor a mortgage. I went to a 15-year. Why did I go to a 15-year? Because I had the money to pay it off on a monthly basis. I had the, you know, the income to pay it off, and I just wanted to be done with the mortgage. I was entering my late 50s, and I said, you know what, I'm sick of this monthly payment. And if I go into a, what would be a traditional setting whereby at 65 you retire, you still don't want to be paying that mortgage. So I went into a 15-year, and for me it was a, a really good decision. It was a 5.125% interest rate. Now, the 15-year today, as I was talking earlier, is 3.5%, which is which is high in terms of in relation to the other mortgage products on the market, but in relation historically, this is still pretty low. So I'll just go through some positives and negatives, some of the positives for the 15-year. Okay, there's less in total interest. Okay, that's a, that's a given. Now, obviously, your monthly payment is going to be more, but the total amount that you're going to pay, because you're only paying 15 years, is going to be 15 years less. Now, maybe you already got... 10 years into your mortgage and you're trying to figure out whether it's a good idea. The difference between a 15-year mortgage and paying every two weeks is an extra payment a year on that first loan, paying every two weeks. That's a good question and one that you should talk to your mortgage professional about so that they can give you the, the right uh, information based on your situation. But it's an interesting idea, one versus the other. I like the 15-year just because paying every two weeks it's confusing because most people just pay once a month. So you have to really be disciplined to be able to do that. Set it up either with your uh, mortgage banker, your regular banker, or you have it on an automatic payment from your checking account direct to the mortgage company. Second, lower interest rate. Usually that's true, although I can't say that's true today. Just simply, well, again, the rates I quote at the beginning of the show have to do with the best borrower available out there. 800 FICO score. 20% down, 10% down if it's a uh, purchase, and someone who has a long income, um, uh, a long income history, i.e., a long job history, something that is very easily checkable. Um, most people don't fit into that box. A lot of people do. Let's face it; probably half the borrowers in America fit into that box. But there are some borrowers that don't fit into that box. And for those particular people, a interest rate uh, in the threes to fours on a 15-year is a great interest rate. As I said, mine was 5.125% when I did my rate. Number three, forced savings. Now, what is that? What do, what do I mean by that? Okay, so if you had a 30-year fixed rate and your payment was a little bit less, probably a lot less, right? A couple of hundred dollars a month less. That means if you are now in the 15-year, we are forcing you to save that extra money to put into your mortgage. So in reality, paying off the mortgage in 15 years, the payment structure forcing you to come up with the extra 200, let's say, dollars a month in order to do that gives you the advantage of saving 15 years worth of interest on that loan. Not to mention, while doing it, and this is number uh, four, you're building equity the entire time. Building equity, paying more on your mortgage, means that the equity also grows at a faster rate because you're paying the loan off. You only pay 
interest on the money that you owe. You don't pay interest on the money that you borrowed. You understand what I mean? So if each month you're paying off a certain number and a certain number, uh, a certain amount of that payment goes towards principal, a certain amount goes towards um, interest, every month the principal amount that you pay goes up a little bit, goes up a little bit, especially on the 15-year, it kind of goes up a lot, which means that the money that you're now paying the next month there's less interest to pay because you've already paid more in the principal. It's an interesting way it works. It's one of the reasons why the 15-year is such a good product. Uh, one of the last things here, Fannie Mae, if you, if you have a Fannie Mae product on the 15-year, you're going to pay less fees. So let's, let's face it. Up front, it's going to be less costly. In the long term, you're going to save a ton of dough. Let's talk downside to the 15-year, affordability. Hey, if you're going to pay more, you better be able to afford more. And that's part of the problem with a 15-year. If you're purchasing on a 15-year, you're going to have to come up with the down payment. You're also going to have to prove uh, that you can make that payment. And that payment's going to be, as I said in my little example, a couple hundred bucks more. Number two, higher payments. Again, affordability, higher payments. Every month, you've got to come up with that money. Uh, and that is... That's a burden for some people, which is why they go to the 30-year. You know, some people even like the 40-year. Some people like the interest only. They don't care about when they pay off the loan. They just want to pay the as least amount as possible. But in my situation, in my mid-50s, I wanted to be done with payments because I knew my income was going to decrease when I get older. And that's an important consideration for me. And number three, uh, it's more difficult to save. Obviously, if you're spending more money, unless you're making a ton of, a ton of dough, it's going to be more difficult for you to save money. These are some of my thoughts on the 15-year uh, based on a couple of the articles I've read about it. Uh, as, as I said, I like the 15-year. It may be something right for you. It's certainly something which you can check with your mortgage professional. Okay, I want to touch on one thing. In San Rafael, California, appraiser was sued by a couple. The couple claimed that the appraiser, and we've talked about this on the show, every year we talk about this, more than once. The appraiser undervalued the home. The only thing that the lawsuit says that they did it for was 50% they undervalued the home, was because the couple was black. They sued the appraiser. It's currently in federal court. It made its rounds to Mortgage News Daily today and uh, HousingWire.com if you wanted to go check out the article. Uh, it's, it's something that exists, will continue to exist, makes me cranky, makes everybody who is a professional in our business just angry as heck because it, it paints us all with a brush. And, of course, the, the, the borrowers, uh, the people that wanted to obviously uh, buy a house, people who are selling the house or getting appraisal for either uh, the mortgage or the refi, yeah, that's, that's tragic, terrible. I hope they win their lawsuit, especially if they – can prove that both the company knew about it and didn't do anything about it, and the appraiser has a history of doing it. Those would be the two ways, the two tracks with which to be able to do that. The housing inventory, all-time lows. All-time lows, the housing inventory. Not a great time to have rates drop, right? Because now we'll have more people in demand. But that's what's coming. Cash-out refis are up on high equity in homes. Social media and leads, what does that mean? Should we be having social media companies, social media uh, platforms, okay, like for instance, LinkedIn, business platform. Is it really a, a place where I need to see ads for, you know, raising money for a certain thing or looking for people to uh, do a survey in order to get a lead? 
I hate that. I like to have people stay in their lanes if they're in social media. Listen, we're at the end of the show. I really appreciate you listening. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. For more on today's topic, visit www.malibufunding.net.